Hi, I'm Justin Boyd. I am Brittany Pacheco. And I'm Amber Churchill. And we are the Watchers in the Basement. Welcome to the Watchers in the Basement. We are here today to discuss the eighth and final movie in the Harry Potter film series of the Wizarding World franchise. That's right. We're here to talk about Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2. But before I get Amber and uh, Brittany's thoughts on the movie, I'm going to hit you with some Deathly Hallow Part 2 facts. Are you ready for the facts? Can you handle the Are facts? you ready? Yeah. So, okay. The movie was released July 15th, 2011. So, a little over, you know, 12 years ago. So, not, you know, not super long time ago, but, you know, it is what it is. The box office, <laughs> $1.3 billion, which makes it the highest grossing film in the Harry Potter series and the Wizarding World overall. It was also the highest grossing film of 2011. And at the time of its release, it was the third highest grossing film of all time. Um, thanks to the popularity of the, of the MCU. Now it currently sits at number 18, but uh, mm. you know, number three back in 2011, that's pretty, pretty high praise right now. It's 18. It's just behind black Panther and right ahead of star Wars, the last Jedi. So I thought that was interesting. Uh, it was, well, yeah, yeah. It also, it was, it was also the highest grossing film released by Warner brothers up until this year, until Barbie knocked it off. So <laughs> it had a good run, had a good run budget of 250 million, which was shared with part with the, with part one. So uh, if that's true, then they made a ton of money off of these two movies, which who knows with the counting stuff in Hollywood, I'm sure they made money, but they probably made it like they didn't make money. We've talked about it before moving on runtime, two hours and 10 minutes. It was directed by David Yates, who directed the final four. Harry Potter movies and all three of the Fantastic Beasts movies. And the cast, of course, includes Daniel Radcliffe, Rupert Grint, Emma Watson, Helena Bonham Carter, Robbie Coltrane, Warwick Davis, Ray Fiennes, Michael Gambone, Tom Felton, Bonnie Wright, Matthew Lewis, Ivana Lynch, John Hurt, Jason Isaacs, Gary Oldman, Alan Rickman, Maggie Smith, David Thewlis, and Julie Waters. So, Amber, I'm going to go to you first. And no, no, okay, I'm <laughs> going to no. first. Sorry, that, that'll work. first. So, I mentioned before the movie came out in 2011, right? Uh, so it's the you know, obviously the most recent one that came out not not too long ago, right? Do you, mm. what are your what are your what are your memories of going to see this movie in person for the first time? Talk yeah. about the excitement level you had going into the final film, knowing you probably knew it was going to happen because you read the book. Of course I did. I mean, yes. I mean, I know there are fans out there who have only seen the movies and enjoyed it probably just as much as those of us who like read the books and what have you. But because we obviously read the books, we wanted to see what was going to be kept in part two, how they were going to adapt for certain things and what have you. I'm also kind of getting roasted a little bit for um, my response to Barbie. Um, (laughs) Christian from McDorks is in the chat. Appreciate you being here. Uh, Barbie was a great movie, he says. I'm sorry. I haven't seen it. It's It's entertaining. It's entertaining. Yeah. Wait, you've seen it? I've seen it. Wow. Okay. Uh, Raheem says the same thing. Uh, Barbie is a good movie, but Harry Potter hits different. That I will definitely uh, believe just because Mm -hmm. I have not watched it yet anyway we're not here to talk about barbie we can talk about barbie a different day however uh, your question about leading up to seeing this movie in 2011 so in 2011 yep i was uh graduating college and i was just like okay let's go harry potter's the final movie it's like 
the the thing I'm looking forward to most in 2011. Never mind the fact that I just graduated with my degree, you know, first person in my family to graduate with a degree, right? But I wanted to see the final battle between Harry and Voldemort. I wanted to see the epilogue. I wanted to see just so many different aspects of what was in the book. And granted, of course, for time purposes, you don't get every single detail, what have you. The big reveal, I think, about Snape right. was probably right up there along with the final battle and the epilogue, of course, because I wasn't anticipating that in the book. So I wanted to see how they were going to do it when the movie came out. There was a lot of kind of mm -hmm. leaked sort of photos, footage about what the actors looked like aged up and it was not well received. I think because of that, the studio had to go back and like reshoot some things because they tried to, I, I can't even remember how they tried to like age them up. It just, it wasn't good. Yeah, so they tried uh, CGI. They tried to do. Yeah. They tried. Yeah. Like, and, why? Uh, like, why would you do that to them? But right. um, it's also, it, it, it's such an exciting movie to watch because it is the finale, but it's also sad because it's, it's a culmination of 10 years that, you know, I've been watching these films. I, I read, I think from order of the Phoenix onward, I was at the midnight book releases and I read the book in at least a day, day and a half. Right. So I, I'm invested, but to see the final movie was just I was ready for it, but I wasn't ready for it. I, you know, I wasn't ready to say goodbye to Harry and and the Golden Trio and Hogwarts and things like that. I was just, I, I was ready, but I wasn't. So, Amber, <laughs> dare you tell us your thoughts? Because this is bleeding. This this came out, what, the day before your birthday in 2011? Yeah. <laughs> Trust me, I was freaking out. I, I didn't care about my birthday. <laughs> um, I... Oh, I, I was just, I was, I had, I was the same mind as you, where I was wondering how they were going to do the Snape reveal, mm -hmm. how they were going to do, um, I guess the whole battle, all of it really. Cause yeah, we do see some battles in previous and duels in previous, um, movies, but like, other than I think in order of the Phoenix, like Dumbledore and Voldemort's fight, like we don't see anything like really 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 big like a full-on war until yeah. so i was really interested in that and um just it's such a heavy emotionally move like emotionally heavy movie that i um i was just really excited to see how it was going to go and i i really like it it is one of my favorites um it might just because of, i guess you know the penultimate movie of the series seeing how everything wraps up, how everything finally resolves, all the ends are tied in neat, beautiful knots and everything. Like it's, um, I think that is what, is why I really liked it, but I, I, I genuinely really enjoy the movie. So I think I know the answer to this, but I'm, I think I'm on the other side than y'all. I, uh, so I talked about this along the way is how, you know, I like the way, they kind of slowly built up Voldemort as the main villain. We got like almost nothing of him for several movies and then little trips and drabs. And then we finally got him in 
the the last movie. Now we have him for all of this movie. And I got to say, I feel like the, the battle is not that great. Like when you think about epic conclusions to these franchise series, like it doesn't compare to like Darth Vader and Luke Skywalker in return of the Jedi. It doesn't compare to the Avengers and Thanos in Endgame. You know what I mean? Like it's, Yeah. Yeah. Now maybe that's, maybe that's, I mean, that's also my personal preference, of course, but I just felt like, um, well, yeah, I mean, it definitely is, but I don't, (laughs) I mean, okay. What I'm saying, do y'all think this was a satisfying conclusion to the story for, for Harry and the golden trio and for all the characters, uh, Amber, I'll go to you first. Um, you get a little bit more satisfaction, I feel, in the book. Mm-hmm. But um, I feel like you're always going to get more satisfaction in the book than in actually in a movie. But I feel like I was a little bit let down of how they looked at the end. Because, yeah, doing the 19 years later is important because that's how the book ends. Mm-hmm. And it would be great to see that. But also, like, I don't know, even... Maybe who knows? Maybe the someday, whenever they do the uh, TV, <laughs> they do the TV show adaption in like what eight years time, uh, and it, even longer until they actually get to that book. But um, maybe they'll actually do like a I don't know a little montage so we can actually see. Like Hermione is the Minister of Magic. That's pretty cool, but we don't know that. As far as we yeah. know, she's a stay-at-home mom, and that's kind of like yeah. So there's things like that that kind of, you know, feel a little to me, but I overall, I can see how the battle definitely was a little um, lackluster. And I think it's mainly because the pacing felt a little off because it does take over like 24, over 24 hours. So like it's two days at least that they have, um, like battle part one and then battle part two and then the um room of requirement fiend fire expedition like it's just so many things are going on at once but it still felt a little disjointed so i think with your question justin about the final battle between Voldemort and and harry the movie did a lot of things that obviously were not in the book especially with harry uh, being chased down by Voldemort, they're going up like the clock tower and things like that. And they kind of like um, start the grasp onto each other. And and because Voldemort can fly, right, you know, with black smoke or wispies, whatever you call it, that's something that was not included in the book. I don't, I don't recall. Yeah. It's, it's, no, what? it was not. So, okay. It yeah. It's weird. been a, <laughs> yeah. It's been a really long time since I've uh, read the book, let alone even listened to the audio book. But so they did some things visually that were supposed to be a little bit more compelling and a little bit more jarring, I think, but it, <laughs> but it also, it, the actual final courtyard, like battle between the two, you have the elder one against Harry's one, which is, you know, no, Amber so eloquently Vanna White demonstrating here, right? It's Draco's. It, Draco's. Oh, why did I say Harry? Sorry. It's Draco's. Yeah, you're right. Uh, because Harry's wand is not, is not there. We're going to talk about that later because I know Amber's going to have some feelings about I have all happens. the ones that we see in this movie right here. Oh wow, here we go. Yeah, I have I have a lot of feelings, especially about the Elder One at the very end of this movie because oh my god, 
it did not happen like that in the book. Let's it talk just, about it now. Just go to it. Did. Okay. So um, going quickly in the chat, though, Christian shares, it is anticlimactic just a little bit, but still loved it. Um, I'm, I mean, Dumbledore also attacked Harry, and that wasn't in the book. Um, if you're talking about Harry, did you put your name in the Goblet of Fire? Like, yeah, that was that was <laughs> wild. But um, so talking about the the big change, especially with the Elder Wand, you have the most powerful wand that's ever been created in Voldemort's hands. He's thinking he's he's inevitable, right, <laughs> with this wand, and he it's not responding to him. It's not. It's not working for him because he thinks, oh, because Snape was the one who killed Dumbledore. Snape is the true master. No, that's not really the case because we do learn that because it was Draco who disarmed Dumbledore the night uh, that Dumbledore was killed. The powers transfer to Draco. But then when Harry fought Draco at Malfoy Manor, and disarmed him the loyalty changed as well so like draco's wand then became harry's but also the power of the elder wand transferred to harry as well which is like i think that's really unique i don't know how many people out there or how many wizards out there would actually have like two wands that would be loyal to just one person right it's it's wild but what happened what harry did to the elder one amber well i, I was gonna ask yeah amber like how I did you feel about, about that oh like, my god like would you ever do that oh my, god, my hair no no i'm i'm not even gonna pretend to pantomime snapping a wand while it's in my my fake wands are in my hand no <laughs> like i won't even do that like, I, so uh so, no it's fine did. don't worry about it so would you just take the one and rule the world forever or would like, cause like Harry does it because you know, it's like the good guy thing to do. Right. I am personally of the mind that, um, this one is tired. <laughs> um, yeah. this like, because when you, um, and Ollivander, we say, see it in the first movie and the first book, and we see it throughout the entire series, but it's prevalent in this one. And Ollivander says it again in the beginning, that the wand choose the wizard. The wands are semi-sentient. They make their own choices and their own decisions. And this guy in the past was won by death, but it chose to go with Harry. And it took, well, technically it chose to go with Draco from the disarming and then it chose to go with Harry. And so it, it didn't want to harm Harry. So, I think this one is tired. I think it just wants to, it, it wants to retire. Let it, let it sleep, bury it. I, I, I personally, if I was Harry and I've seen some people do like um, fan fictions and like fan canon, I guess, fan it about Harry should have just buried the wand and just as it was buried it nobody's using it nobody's touching it and i personally would have done the same thing because like harry would not be the only person who would know where it was and he's never going to tell anyone because but what I, did he do in comparison from the book to the movie he he he, he snapped it and no then, but what did he do in the book with with the wand oh repaired uh repaired holly and phoenix 
Yeah. So but, Harry yeah. used the Elder Wand, the most powerful wand in the world, to mend his broken wand. The wand that chose him when he was 11 years old. He was able to fix his wand. And then he goes and... and uh, no, no one, no one's going to use the Elder Wand ever again, right? No one. Nope. Because he does return it back to Dumbledore's grave, right? And and it it's buried with him, right? So I'm like, that's just poetic. That's to me that that was the way to do it. When mm -hmm. I was watching in theaters, Harry had the wand and said, "It's mine." You know, Ron, what are we going to do with it? We like, like I'm just saying, it's the most powerful wand in the world. Harry turns, snaps it, <laughs> tosses it into the fucking like moat. And lake. I'm like, yeah. What are you doing? This I'm upset about not, it because this is why he was not meant for Ravenclaw. The boy is stupid. <laughs> well, that and then also he didn't fix Holly. Like he didn't fix he didn't fix this 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 guy. Like it just I, mm. Why did David Yates and the producers decide to do this? I will never understand. I don't know what the, the shock and all was. Okay, not all. The yeah. shock was there. Sorry, my hair looks crazy right now. Oh, I like, gasped and I like literally flinched. I was like, <gasps> like I. Yeah, right. Exactly. So it's just like, what are you doing? I un Okay, I understood. I understood. No one's going to be able to use this wand ever again. Break, toss. Bye-bye. Fix your wand, Harry. Do you really want to use Draco's wand from here on out? You dummy. <laughs> like, why? So I'm done. two things. I agree. He should have he should have taken the wand and buried it in the sands of Tatooine. That's how it should have ended. Oh my god. And then what say <laughs> that he's that's Harry, another, Harry that's, Skywalker? He's Harry Skywalker, yeah. That's another franchise. You. No. God. No, but seriously. I'm not happy so, about it, but it's pretty funny. Right. So he 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 breaks the wand and tosses it. Wouldn't that be a great setup for like a next the next movie if somebody's like just wandering down and finds it? And goes oh what's this? Someone's oh, wandering, this? Justin. Wandering. wandering. There we go. I would I, I didn't put that together. But if someone did put it back together, is that possible? And wouldn't that be kind of a cool way to like restart the series? Amber, no your thoughts. <laughs> no, because it, no. he snapped it. <laughs> He snapped it. Um, okay. This wand is that we know of, the only wand that's powerful enough to mend a wand. If this guy's broken, then everyone's kind of screwed. Like, okay. wand makers can try, but it doesn't really end well. And um, I know that they can, like, replace cores because like for unicorn core wands, they can actually, um, the wand, the core itself, like the magical, I guess, um, unit inside of the wands can actually uh, die. That's the unique thing with unicorn wands. They can die or just give up. Um, and they're actually insanely loyal to their first and only owner and they'll never, ever, 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 ever change. They would rather just stop working completely and air quotes here, die, then work for somebody who they don't want to, or dark magic. And um, we can replace cores, like you, could, like you could replace it with another unicorn hair, that's fine, but yeah, 
the others overall no and while I'm on the part, part, part like um the part of mentioning unicorn course that's another thing of why it's so interesting that Draco's wand works for Harry because it is Hawthorne which is a very stubborn wood and the core is unicorn so I just said that it's um, it's a stubborn wand, and it's insanely loyal to its original owner, which also unicorns are the hardest to turn to the dark arts. So the fact that it's Draco's is interesting, um, very interesting, and mm -hmm. shows a, a little bit of the duality of Draco. But this is the wand that defeated Voldemort, and that is so cool because unicorn wands are considered the weaker of the three cores. This is the mm -hmm. one that defeated Voldemort. I am so, I have very strong feelings about Draco's wand, <laughs> but um, I, with, just, with, I just wanted to mention that. With Harry's uh, trusty go-to spell of Expelliarmus, like that, that was, that's his baby right there. Like that was Expelliarmus, Expelli, you know, this and that. And also fun fact, the wand that is Draco's, as Amber just showed everyone, if you're watching here on YouTube, that was actually the first official wand I purchased when I visited Harry Potter or the Wizarding World of Harry Potter in Orlando. Uh, just because for one, I'm Slytherin, if you haven't, you know, noticed by my robes. Really? But two, no, not, not at all. But two, what I really appreciated about Draco's wand, not that we're going to start really talking about wands. For more information about wands, go to Amber's yeah. wonderful YouTube channel. Um, Thank you. What I love about Draco's wand is it's so simple. And to me, it, it it's the only wand I think that really didn't change from the first two movies onward, right? It because all all the other character wands changed. They had like some sort of texture, some sort of decorative element to it. They had like it was more personalized, whereas Draco's like stayed the same. And I, I think because I'm such a creature of habit. And I'm like really plain Jane about it. Uh, I I was really drawn to that wand because it's just it. When I think wand, I think Draco's wand. Like that's that's what mm -hmm. that reminded me of. Uh, kind of, it was lost on me that it was his wand that actually defeated Voldemort. So that's huge. That's like crazy because his family were big supporters of Voldemort. You know, they were Death Eaters and they were you know pure blood this, pure blood that. Although they followed a half blood, which is hilarious, but yeah, it's a uh, great, great facts. Amber pointing that out. Listen, y'all, again, go follow <laughs> Amber and her YouTube channel, All of Amber's Wands. Learn about the wands from the Wizarding World. There you go. Yes, please. <laughs> she definitely knows what she's talking about. So, oh yeah, that's why it's always great to have her on the podcast. Yep. Just a bit, a little bit. So. Anyway. Sticking with Draco, I have a question for y'all because I didn't really understand this. I've now seen this movie three times, so you know, give me some credit. I watched this movie twice the past couple of days. So toward the end of the movie, when when Harry is playing dead, right before the final battle, the I guess the final final battle or whatever you want to describe it, there's a part where you know they ask you know, Voldemort asks if if the boy's dead, meaning Harry, and Narcissa Malfoy, which is Draco's mother goes over to Harry, sees that Harry's like, is like breathing or he's like, his, there's some facial movement going on. Mm -hmm. And she says, Draco, is he alive? 
I don't see Draco anywhere in this in the screen. Right. And then and, and then, you know, then she turns around and says, Oh, the boy is dead. And, you know, then of course Voldemort's celebrating and everyone is devastated. Um so explain to me what's happening there. Cause I know we saw Draco earlier in the film where Harry decided to save Draco when they were on the brooms and the fiery stuff and all that. Uh, but just walk me through like what's happening there. Cause I did not really understand. Like, is she actually talking to Draco or is Draco no. like working through her? What's no, going no. on? No, you're Brittany, do you uh, want to take it or do you want me to? <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I, I can, you can, yeah. Um, pick up wherever I may yeah. leave out oh. something. You can tag so, her in. Yeah. Tag team, right? <laughs> Ultimately, no. Uh, I like I like your way of thinking, but it's it's far simpler than than that. It's a mother's love, right? Narcissa is concerned for her son. I think at that point, for Narcissa, who may not have been fully invested in being a death eater a supporter of Voldemort and what have you. I think she's finally like done with it all. Right. She's seen what's happened, what it's cost a lot of people. And all she really cares about is getting her and her family out. And she wants to know from Harry because she, she could see visibly like, okay, he's, he's clearly alive. Like he's breathing, you know, he's not cold to the touch or that kind of thing. Right. He's, he's alive. So that's why she's asking him, is Draco, is Draco alive? Uh, and Harry does make like, kind of like a little nod, like a very subtle nod, like saying, yes, he, he's alive. And she she has two options. She could either say, yes, he's dead or no, he's alive and Voldemort can come in and kill. But for her, I think this was her way out. She needed confirmation that her son was alive mm -hmm. and she was going to get to him one way or another. Because when the March to Hogwarts is is happening. Hagrid is carrying Harry's quote dead body for for the whole world to see. It was Narcissa who said to Draco, you know, from across the courtyard, Draco come and he walks over. Voldemort awkwardly hugs him, which was totally <laughs> not scripted. And great. it was great. It was just really <laughs> creepy. But he Tom, uh, Tom, just kidding. Draco walks over to his parents. And when Harry reveals that, hey, I'm not dead, y'all, let's start fighting all over again, you notice that it's the Malfoy family, amongst others, who ditch the Death Eaters and walk away. That's that's the end of it. That, so ultimately, it, it's a mother's love that she, in a weird way, protected Harry from dying because she lied to Voldemort and said he's dead. So, mm -hmm. yeah. And an interesting point, too, is to kind of confirm that she wasn't really a follower of the Dark Lord, truly. She was just kind of doing what she could to save her husband and her son was um, she's never had she never got the dark mark. She yeah. was officially never really a Death Eater. She was just involved with that because of her husband and her son and that. And her sister. Another confirmation. And her sister, yeah. And also, um, we don't really have confirmation of it, but it's a very popular kind of fan assumption that um, because we know that Bellatrix and Draco are legilimens, that that oh, was yeah. kind of how she lied to Voldemort because Voldemort 
is a very strong legitimate. Like he um I, I explain for those who may not oh, be yeah, aware sorry. what legit legitimates are. Yeah, like, like um, me. I have no clue. Sorry. Yeah, okay. Um legitimates and uh and occlumency are the reading people's minds and protecting your mind respectively. So if you are a legilimens, you can infiltrate people's minds and basically read their minds. Mm -hmm. And if you, um, and kind of going hand in hand with that, you can learn how to fortify your own mind from other legilimens. And that's actually what Snape was trying, was supposed to be teaching Harry mm -hmm. in the past couple of movies, like to try and um, learn occlumency to protect his mind from Voldemort. And uh, that didn't work out, but um, Snape and Dumbledore are, and Voldemort are strong legitimates. They can read people's minds. So a lot of people were, who hadn't read the books and didn't really know that were like, how did this woman lie to Voldemort's face? And mm -hmm. he didn't catch that. And then also he's, you know, is it really just him being cocky? and being like, eh, I did it, and not really bothering to check, which seems like a real fatal mistake. Or, yeah. like, which is possible. It is possible that he could have done that. But I feel like because he's weakened, too. I mean, he just he mm -hmm. he just killed the unintentional Horcrux that is Harry and yeah. making him very vulnerable. I mean, the, the last thing left was mm -hmm. Nagini, but continue. <laughs> yeah, so it's just the popular just fan assumption I don't really technically think it's a theory is that she is just like her sister and just like her son, good at occlumency and legitimacy. So she was able to protect her mind and he wouldn't have been able to tell anyway, if he had tried. Yeah. Real quick. And I think that's interesting. Real quick in the chat, Amber, Christians has a small request. He wants you to say Bellatrix again. <laughs> Bellatrix? I heard it too, Christian. I, I know, I know what you're referring to. Um, it, there was a, a little bit of an accent when you, you were oh. saying Bellatrix the first time you were speaking about her. It's fine. It's fine. Bellatrix. <laughs> Bellatrix. Jeez, jeez, guys, let her, let her be. <laughs> I mean, we can't all be perfect like me. So let's, let's. Oh Lord, he's up. He's up. No. Oh, um, didn't even know what legitimacy is. I mean. I know. I just. I mean, <laughs> I, Boom. I, know, I mean, I Boom. know. I mean, I know a lot more than I did know about Harry Potter before we started doing these reviews. Like, I. Forced proximity. <laughs> well, I've done some research. I watched the movies and, like, you know. He's a journalist. That's what happens. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> anyway, back to uh, back to the movie. Um, so, while I thought the. The final battle between Voldemort and uh, and Harry was kind of anticlimactic. I do think the Snape stuff is really is really good. And uh, Brittany, I want you to just walk us through kind of the, the Snape's kind of his run in this movie. How um, obviously he meets his demise, and then we get the revelation through these like visions with uh, Dumbledore. And yeah, to me that was. Uh, I'd forgotten about that Dumbledore was actually dead because on a previous podcast when he died, I was like, yeah, he died. Cool. Oh you know, but God. he was dead. So uh, yes, he I was. feel, he I feel did not, did. not as perfect did as I should be. But uh, yeah. well, Brittany, walk us through Snape's uh, run in this movie. 
So Snape is is headmaster of of Hogwarts and when the trio arrive in Hogsmeade there's like an alert, right? And that sets off uh these these death eaters to try and find Harry, bring him to the castle and, and what have you. And so Snape is telling the the whole school, if anyone is harboring Harry Potter, you will basically be punished for it. And what I think was really compelling, the scene that he shares with McGonagall, who, you know, they're, they're colleagues, they've worked together for a really long time. Yes, they're in opposing houses. But what was really telling about McGonagall was that she was willing to fight Snape in order to protect Harry. And what you have to carefully notice, and I'm not sure if, if you caught it, Justin, is that every time that McGonagall would cast a spell onto Snape, uh, he you know deflected it, right? But he also knocked out the two what, what are the two defense against art, the dark arts teachers, quote unquote, the, the Caros, the, their brother and sister. They're standing behind Snape as McGonagall's coming after him. So he knocks them out because I think he knows this woman is, is a force to be reckoned with. Like she will like knock you out and she will mm -hmm. potentially kill you. So he kept all the attention, you know, kept her attention. Right. But he never attacked. He never fought back because- he deflected right and so if that wasn't kind of telling about his character his true nature really you really wouldn't know that uh it does happen fast in the movie it, happens it does fast. it does it does and it looks fairness. like he gets scared and, and bounces because right she and steps that's up what, yeah because yeah. that's what you're made to believe right in this movie she not only does she you know, step up to, to challenge uh, Snape, but she also is like kind of the protector of Hogwarts. Like she, you know, she casts this spell and brings Here these, totem uh, locomotor. Yeah, these, these statues to life to protect the, uh, to protect the school. So um, I've always wanted to one, use that spell. <laughs> one thing I like about just that whole, whole sequence in general is that when it is like Harry and had confronted Snape, yeah, everyone's just kind of standing and watching. But the second that McGonagall stepped in, everyone went, Ooh, like, we give him room. Back up. <laughs> it just Back it up. parted. Yeah, the crowd parted like the Red Sea. It was brilliant. Man. The amount of, like, instant, like, respect, I guess. And, like, like shit oh. got real. Yeah, like, everyone's just like, oh, she's evolved now. Okay, <laughs> give him room. Yeah. And I... um. I don't know if this was intentional, but I saw like a thing that somebody tried to catch that when um, Snape was apparating back, um, that he took the Caro's wands yes. before he dipped. So, yes, um, yes. that was weird. Uh, that is really weird. How did that happen? Yeah, you, did, you threw up a thumbs up and there was fire. <laughs> Look at that. That's really cool. <laughs> what else can Amber do? Wow, Amber is truly no. magical, y'all. She's a wizard. Watching, she is a wizard. If you're watching, technically a witch. If you're watching here on YouTube, yeah. Amber just threw up some fireworks talking about Snape and everything. That's <laughs> hilarious. That is great. If y'all are listening to us Make on our audio podcast. Or like, do other things and see what you can do. do other oh, things. That didn't do okay. it. Oh, there it is. It works. <laughs> <laughs> She does. She made a so, heart with her hand, and the hearts fluttered out. Oh my god! So, so Amber, 
do something different and like just say some kind of spell words and like, kisses. Let's make it happen. I don't know. Kisses is the word. Expellius. <laughs> Expellius. <Kisses>. <laughs> I want to know like will something like it's crazy we're getting off topic y'all we're getting okay. off your hands maybe yeah <laughs> I'm fascinated by this this is amazing this is hilarious um so <laughs> we just got off topic that's so crazy I don't even remember what we were talking so about for Snape for Snape to you know try to take on McGonagall in a way but not really in a way that's very telling because when he does eventually meet with Voldemort in the boathouse to ultimately be killed, which is it, it's it's actually kind of sad how how he's killed because it's not even Voldemort who's doing it. It's he sticks his his giant ass snake on Snape and says Nagini dinner or not dinner attack or some shit like that. Yeah. Yeah, and and That's so in the last movie is the dinner. Oh, dinner! You're right, you're right, because it was charity, cherry beverage. Um, but with with Snape, he's being violently, like, killed, bitten. Yeah, and and the trio <laughs> is witnessing this, and Harry runs to him and gets a a, a, a flask to to take his tears because uh snape's telling take take them take my tears and and if you're not familiar tears can reveal uh memories that you can revisit in the pensieve and dumbledore's office and the last thing that snape says to harry is you know look at me you have your mother's eyes because that's something that harry has obviously heard all his life you know you look like your father but you have your mother's eyes and that's the only thing that mattered to snape or in other words, to tell Harry before he he died, you have your mother's eyes. And the big reveal of Snape actually not being a supporter of Voldemort. He was a supporter of, in a way, Dumbledore. But he, he was doing it to honor Lily, Harry's mm-hmm. mother, whom he loved since childhood. It's it's crazy. They 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 grew up together. Um, Snape and Lily came to Hogwarts together. They were sorted into different houses. James Potter, who was a year older, tormented Snape all throughout his time there. That's obviously why the bully bullying happened. And, you know, yeah, Snape did turn to the dark arts and follow Voldemort. But when he learned that Voldemort had set eyes on the Potters to kill them and and you know the whole thing he went to Dumbledore to say protect them I will do anything protect them and wait wait, wait. he said was it anything or what did he actually say Brittany anything anything yeah um which I can't do it you, as well. which is how you say anything all the time sometimes yeah. it is some, sometimes okay. um but you yeah. guys are going after me for Bellatrix <laughs> I, you know, See, no, Amber, <laughs> I'm defending you. This is my yeah, way. Yeah. No, I know, I know. <laughs> oh my gosh. So, so yeah, like Snape went to Dumbledore in desperation to save Lily. Right? It didn't matter about James. It didn't matter about Harry. He he only cared cared about Lily. Lily di- mm-hmm. dies. Unfortunately, we see a, a montage of Snape visiting the the house after Voldemort had killed the parents, and. And you see Snape 
just hold Lily's dead body and poor Harry is still in the crib with the new scar on his forehead and just bawling his eyes out. I'm like, that child and, is traumatized. Jesus. Well, that, and also you have to realize Snape had to walk over a man's dead body and didn't even care. He probably kicked it. Like, let's be real. Yeah. He probably kicked James, like, dead body. Be like, like that's what you get, you know, kind of thing. It's just the, the head... The, wh- the logic behind that like I have never granted I didn't experience the same kind of like experiences life experiences that Snape did but I could never imagine just letting a baby be screaming like a foot away from me just so I could hold a dead woman's body and it's like I just flabbergasted yeah no it really is so so because of of those events and because and you don't get this from the movie you get this all in the book it was snape who had overheard the prophecy being told from trelawney which was from a few movies ago he was the one who shared the information with voldemort but he you know he didn't get the full prophecy it was you know misinformation if you will and and going to dumbledore to, to ask for help and dumbledore's like what you know what will you do in return anything and and so from that, then on, it was, I think for Snape, it was trying to do right by Lily by protecting her son, even though he he hated Harry from the get-go. It's not like, you know, Harry ever did anything to him. It was solely the fact that he was James Potter's son, but he was going to protect Harry at whatever cost because that was Lily's son. And mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, and you also got to like consider that in Snape's eyes, Harry is the reason that she died. Yeah. Yeah. Like, because Harry, because Voldemort went to that house to kill Harry. And like, and the whole deal, the whole agreement was that Snape would not, the whole reason that the love, uh, love protection even works is because um, he got Voldemort to agree to not kill Lily. And he told her to step aside multiple times, but she refused, and she didn't want to like live when her when, like she didn't want to step aside and have a man just kill her baby. So she, so Voldemort did kill her, and that's what the love protection means. She gave it was a genuine love sacrifice mm-hmm. for Harry's life, and Snape just assume, thinks that in in his mind, every time he not only does he see his worst enemy and the biggest loss of his life because you know the his the love of his life went to the his bully childhood bully so just like yeah like everything that could have gone wrong in this man's life kind of did and harry's just a reminder of why the love of his life is dead yeah no and that's fair i mean really the prophecy actually could have been about neville because Neville yes. was born the day before Harry. So no, before, before you're right. You're right. I got it backwards. As the seventh I, month dies. <laughs> I forgive you. Uh, but with but with all that being said and done, you kind of on the other side of that coin, then you have Dumbledore. You have Dumbledore who raised Harry as a pig for slaughter. As according to Snape. I've had feelings about this. Oh my god, time. the feelings. Crazy. Oh, before we jump into that, though, I do want to yes. just kind of wrap this up about Snape. Hit me. Snape's love for Lily ran so deep that his Patronus that he cast was a doe. A doe 
a female deer. Um, that is the same Patronus that we saw in part one that guided Harry to find the sword of Gryffindor that was in the frozen lake. Mm -hmm. The doe is also the same Patronus as Lily Potter's Patronus, mm -hmm. which was the partner to James Patronus, which was a stag, which is also Harry's Patronus. So the, again, Snape and his love for Lily, crazy. And all the fact that all consuming, that's, that's a great way of putting it, but how he still aided Harry, no matter what, still, you know, in his own way, loved Lily and did whatever Dumbledore asked of him, which leads me to my problems with Alvis Percival Wolfric Brian Dumbledore. Damn that man. <laughs> Jesus. Like, you, you can't help a brother out. You can't help the kid out. Like, you, you send him on this journey to find these horcruxes. You don't tell him what, where they are, what they actually could be. Like, Hogwarts founders, like, you get three out of four that are our belongings of the Hogwarts founders, uh, which is the, the locket that belonged to Slytherin, the Ravenclaw diadem, and the cup from Helga Hufflepuff. Didn't get Gryffindor, which I think is hilarious. But Dumbledore, like, he knew so much. And as Amber said, he could read people's minds, right? He, you know, whatever. Like, help the child. Help him. And he knew. He knew that Harry was the unintended Horcrux that, that Voldemort made. And yet he needed to stay alive to die at the right time. And that Harry needed to willingly die. Recall the snitch saying, I opened at the close after Harry, you know, touched, touched the snitch to his mouth. Right. And I, I'm just like, oh, my God, you are the most horrible person that ever existed. Brilliant in his own right. Powerful in his own right. Horrible person. Change my mind, people. Change my mind. Albus Dumbledore. Horrible person. Amber, thoughts? I'm not going to change your mind because I agree. <laughs> I... I am not quiet about my dislike for this man. <laughs> I because it's not even just Harry, and that's I think what's even more devastating to me is that he just uses and manipulates people, everyone around him. Like he he knew Sirius Black was innocent. He didn't say a word. Okay. He let that man rot in Azkaban for thirteen okay. years, and oh. it's that uh, just because Sirius was not useful to him he had no use for him so he didn't bother saving him he could have said something because he has massive sway over the Wazengamot yeah didn't say anything about that and then he obviously used Snape his first Snape's entire rest of his life after what they were what 21 when they died so Snape would have been yeah. 21 22 yeah yeah he could like he ruled over this man's life, and like used so, and relied on him so much, mm -hmm. and that not not only that, but like he does it for everybody. If he has use of you, he will just eat it up and never give anything in return, because he just your pieces of to, in chess to him. You're just pawns yeah. for him to move around. He, yeah. like, yeah, he does say and like. I guess the afterlife 
with Harry. Like, because I grew to care for you. Yeah. Like, I grew to care for you and stuff like that. And it's like, bullshit. (laughs) Like, I... Then, then, then just help him. I understand Harry needs to be like under his, like he needs to, he has to live with the Dursleys because of the the blood magic that was keeping the love protection alive. I understand yeah. that. I don't like it, but I get it. Yeah. Um, I don't, but like, and I understand that he, Harry needed to come to the conclusion he needed to die willingly on his own because it wouldn't have worked otherwise if you have to tell someone that they're going to die. They're like, go. <laughs> Natural human reaction is to kind of resist that. Yeah. And I I understand those things, but hey, there are things that could help us here. Help. Why are you withholding? <laughs> Why? Yeah, it's just Why? I don't understand why he would just withhold all of that information. And it makes me so angry because there are so many things and Harry there are times where Harry is angry at Dumbledore and he, and it's only in the books though. We don't really see it in the movies at all, but yeah, that's fair. I like Harry was, should have been like, he was angry at some points, Yeah, but feel like feel the rage, man. I mean, come on. And just as a, like a little, so thing, um, there was the theory that, um, the sort of Gryffindor because it can move places that that was going to be the Horcrux. Yeah. Um, but um, it vanished when mm-hmm. um, Riddle. Holy, yeah, when Riddle died. Um, yeah. That was like a theory, but then also Harry kind of is the Gryffindor Horcrux. <laughs> Unintentional. Yeah, that's, that's, a fair, that's a fair point. Also yeah. is related to Godric. Godric Gryffindor, Godric, Godric, Godric. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's also related to him. So anyway, uh, that being he's said. He's just a destined bloodline. He's related to everybody. The yeah, Peverils, the... <laughs> yeah. And he's technically an heir because his, like, his ancestors invented a whole bunch of potions. That's why Harry's rich. Yeah. Yeah, it is. But like I said, uh, <laughs> the kind of dynamic between that of Snape from the get-go, you're, you're made to believe like this is not a good person you don't like him, you don't trust him. Whereas with Dumbledore, it's like, oh, we like him. We trust him. We're going to do anything and everything that he says. And it kind of like flipped in a weird way. So it's uh, it's interesting. But I will say from this movie, very iconic line because it is from in the books. And Justin, you know, I use this gif all the time when I'm trying to drive a point is, is the moment when Snape says or answers Dumbledore's question about Lily after all this time always iconic Mwah. Lord Rickman of the Allen God bless you for delivering mm-hmm. that line with such emotion mm-hmm. and such like intensity it's it's I it's do amazing. kind of wish though that like they didn't have time to do it but I kind of just wish now with a forethought that with a foresight that we have now yeah, perspective, I guess. I wish they had explained that Patronuses can change and that they yeah. use, and that they usually either match or complement mm-hmm. others. Like Tonks's Tonks. was originally a was a jack rabbit and it turned into a wolf when she fell in love with Remus Lupin, the werewolf. Like yep. Yep. It, and also yeah. in the book, Snake gave her 
like a ton of crap for that. And it's like, your Patronus matches <laughs> a woman's sir. Where's yeah. your, like, calm your sass. Um, That's double standard, you know, it's, it's what it is. Thanks, patriarchy. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, so Snape, um, definite, complete story arc, you know, character arc development whatever you want to call it it, it was extremely well done I, I remember reading the book and being shocked at that revelation and again excited to see how they did it in the movie I think they did it extremely well mm-hmm. I, I really feel because you have someone like Alan Rickman who who just performs right it's a master class every time that he's on screen and for you to feel some type of way about kind of hating a character and then you see why he did what he did and who he is as a person really all because he loved someone and love can make people do some crazy things some Mm -hmm. irrational things but it also it it really shaped him post uh, lily's death and and the fact that he stayed true to protecting harry until the very end and so much that Harry named one of his kids after after him, you know? And Wild. Dumbledore. And, Dumbledore. and Dumbledore. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. So before we move on, there's one more thing in the chat from Raheeb about some fan fiction. Are y'all familiar with this? So he asked, I have did, not. You, did you guys read the fan fiction about that in the end battle? Uh, the Nagini swaps with Harry and Nagini wasn't Harry's body in the I think end. You mean that Snape, maybe. Oh, Snape. Okay, not Snake. Okay, got it. Snape body swaps yeah. with Harry. Um, either way, no, I haven't heard of this uh fan fiction. I, I'm not sure how I'd feel if it ever played out in on the silver screen or or even as a mm-hmm. any sort of production. I, I feel like that'd just be weird personally. But, I I don't see it ever happening because they wouldn't have had the foresight for it. And then also mm. the only like quote, quote body swap like that we really have in the wizarding world that we know Maybe. of is, um, well, is the juice potion. Right. Well, polyjuice. Yeah. Yep. Lost Amber for a brief second. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Sorry. All right. Now you're good. Yeah, you're right. Polyjuice potion is the way that people can body swap. Uh, we saw that with Moody and uh, Barty Crouch Jr. And uh, we would see it eventually again with uh, the tr- trio when they infiltrate the ministry. So, yeah, it's a uh, it's a thing. Sorry, thing. I think I. <laughs> no, you're, good. you're, good. you're um, good. It's just that I think uh, is that is the polyjuice potion. So I just don't really yeah. think that that would be a. Um, I, don't, I don't really see it. It's a stretch. Working out. It's a stretch. I don't think yeah, I, I, and- I, it borderlines like possessing someone. So it's like it's it's wild to me. Um, uh, so Raheep says that he is in Oxford. It's everywhere. But if you had the chance to write a fan fiction of Harry Potter, how would you write it? That is a great question. I'm not sure I could write anything that could support what the author has given given us um just because i feel that she created such a world that was from her personal 
life and, and experiences and, and trauma and what have you. And I don't know if I could top that. I really honestly don't think I could. Amber, could you write your own fan fiction of, of Potter? I could. Um, I believe it. But I believe it. I mean, I've also been writing fan fiction since I was like 13. So, yeah. and reading fan fiction since I was much younger than that. Um, specifically Harry Potter fan fiction. So I've read and seen a lot of Harry Potter fan fiction. It's um, kind of a comfort, I guess, because once I finish Harry Potter, the books or the movies or whatever output that I want to consume it in, I, if I want more, I can just go to fan fiction because there's hundreds of thousands of amazing writers who there's a, I don't remember, uh, Brittany and I have talked about it before, how we um, have been on the Germione train before. Ah, uh, Germione. Um, Draco and Hermione, for anyone who uh, may have forgotten, and all I can do hearts with my hands. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, now that uh, I remember reading this fan fiction ages ago, I think it's called The Disappearance of Draco Malfoy. I might be wrong. Mm. Um, where at the top of the tower, the um, Draco actually takes up Dumbledore's offer for help oh. instead of killing Dumbledore. And it's literally just the rest of the series after that with that one just... thing changed. And it does eventually become Germione, I believe. But I remember that like it was just so intriguing to me that something like a change a small little change in decision and somebody went with a completely different story off of that because you know then harry wouldn't have taken like since draco wouldn't have disarmed dumbledore wouldn't have then harry wouldn't have be master of the elder one technically and it changes so much and like <laughs> who dies and who doesn't and when they die and how they die it changes so much and like they were able to take care of like his parents and stuff like that but like i i was i just really liked it at the time but granted it's been like 10 years since i read it um and i when i used to write fan fiction i never wrote for harry potter personally mm. but um i've read a lot and if i had enough idea i probably and wanted to run with it, I could, but you could. If anyone can do it, you can. I believe in you. There's just, uh, I guess it's kind of in the same vein of why you said that you feel like you couldn't, but because there's so much rich world building in it, yeah, that I feel like there's thousands of more stories and avenues you could tell, yeah. And that's also kind of what when once whenever we get into Fantastic Beasts, that's kind of where it kind of weaves into yes. that there's other wizarding schools there's other like communities of wizards and witches other than this high school and yeah yeah you're right yeah and i just think that's really really interesting for people who want choose to expand them mm -hmm. it sounds well like said. harry potter what if i'm sure that kind of stuff will be explored in the that future that would be amazing yeah. um so i, I want to get y'all's thoughts on this part uh I like how Voldemort can like speak to everyone. He has like this like whisper and he's like, he's like, give me Harry Potter. And you know, y'all are both Slytherin. And as it turns out, Slytherin house tries to, tries to 
starts to turn over Harry. My question for each one of you, would you have done that? If you were in that situation as a Slytherin, would you have given up Harry to the Dark Lord? No. Okay. Brittany is not saying no. But I'm also not saying yes either, so. I will say something, though, because I have thoughts about that. Um, I personally, I worry about... Um, you got to think all of those death eaters are most of them are the parents of those Slytherin kids. So when they're going to war against them, you have to think that you are asking a bunch of children. And, and we also know that as an example from Lucius and Draco, that not all pure blood wizarding families treat their children well at all. Like it's borderline abusive and Mm -hmm. if not outright abusive, so these are a bunch of children that you're asking to fight physically almost to the death in a war against their families and parents mm-hmm. that have abused yeah. them. Oh, yeah. So you got to kind of got to consider that. Like, I don't say what Pansy did was right, but the fact that Pansy, that's her name. I know. It's, <laughs> it's a funny name um the fact that pansy made that decision i don't really agree with it and that i also don't really agree that mcgonagall you know judged the entire house based off of pansy's out like action one action yeah i don't think that should have happened but um like i'm not really surprised that they did that and some yeah. people have like theorized that McGonagall was aware of the Death Eater children thing and was like, yeah. this was me giving them an out without outright saying that. Yeah. Um, that like in a weird like, way, banishing them was also protecting them. Yeah, yeah. Like some people have said that she did that intentionally with that foresight. Um, I personally don't really know what she did. Obviously, we don't really, we have no way to know what Minerva McGonagall did. But we're not legilimens. <laughs> Yeah, um, but I think it'd be interesting if that is the case. But that's something you have to consider, I guess, when seeing that. Listen, I'm I'm all for throwing people under the bus. I'm all for it. Justin, of all people, I think really understands that about me. No, um, <laughs> not you. Shush. But I no, I think I not for a purpose of of killing. Like you kill one to what save how many i mean like wh- where does it end you know what i mean like it it's never going to end with just one person like the rise of power there's always going to be someone else there's always going to be like a new challenge and so no i mean i wouldn't i don't think i would have given up harry for for it that and because i also was in love with daniel Radcliffe for like ever but um no i i, I wouldn't and, and like what amber guess. said not not all Slytherins are bad. Um, not all Slytherins perceive them to be like the best, and you know, pure blood is magic's might. You know, whatever, whatever. So I I really don't think it's fair to, you know, uh, assume that all Slytherins are like minded. They all operate under evil pretenses, etc. So no, I I wouldn't. I don't think I would have given up Harry. Well, not that, and you also got to consider what we were just talking about with Narcissa, basically saving Harry's life by yeah 
exactly choosing to lie to Voldemort yeah and to save her family like yeah if mm-hmm. she wasn't her her reasoning for doing that was to protect her own yeah but but that's that that's kind of a core thing with Slytherins is we want to yeah we do we have we we can be brave like Gryffindors we can be clever like Ravenclaws but we and we can like work really really hard towards our goals like Hufflepuffs but we do all of that to protect our own and our and that's not just our house that's like who anyone that's why I'm so violent in the fact that I will die for and punch a person in the face for Hufflepuffs because I love Hufflepuffs like yeah, it's she will she will. It, yeah it's just a it's just that's how Slytherins operate like you can't yeah they look out for their own and that's I feel like the whole the whole process of being in put in houses is all like-minded people in one area. And of course those traits are going to just be heightened by that because they're growing up for seven years around like-minded people. So a group of teenagers and preteens who are around, who want to protect their own around others who want to protect their own and get that drilled into their minds. Of course they're like, uh, should we at least consider (laughs) listening to the murderous tyrant? Like. Yeah, y'all had the right answer. I just, I just had to ask the question. So, but um, if we're talking about the one and only member of House Plytherin, I mean, we got to negotiate. What's in it for me? You know, like <laughs> I, I uh, well, we have to talk turkey. Me and me and Valdi, me and Tommy Rids. We got to get down. Tommy Rids. Discuss uh, what's going on. Um, Rid. No, no, of course I wouldn't do that. I would obviously help save the day. As I often do. Sure. <laughs> the hero, the watcher. You got some basement. Gilderoy Lockhart right. cockiness going on this episode. Yo. <laughs> oh my god. No, it's all. It's, I I'm can't unsee being, it now. I'm just being <laughs> like, come on. Oh my god. Come He's gonna win sure, the sure. charming smile award. Well, much like, I mean, I I pretend to be brave, but a character who was actually very brave in this movie was my guy Neville. He played a yep. huge part in this movie. Let's let's kind of walk through. Yeah you know, his, his moments in this movie, because he really, I mean, he hasn't really had that much shine in this series until this movie. Uh, Brittany, take it away. Tell us about Neville Longbottom and his, uh, his run in this. uh, Neville, Neville stepped up. I mean, from the moment that we, we got to see him in part two, it was, it was through the Hogshead, which is owned by Aberforth Dumbledore, AKA, Albus Dumbledore's brother, y'all, in case you didn't know that. He, Aberforth, has been helping the students in Hogwarts and, and sending them care packages, if you will. He there was there was a tunnel that was built from the Hogshead to Hogwarts because all the other tunnels had been closed up. And Neville has kind of taken charge of, of the other students while the trio have been away. And it's it's really cool to see because Neville as a character, he's someone who's always been so unsure of himself. He didn't even know if he really was a wizard at any given point because he was a late bloomer. He mm-hmm. was using his father's wand for the longest. And Amber can eloquently tell y'all that, you know, wands don't <laughs> wands don't always respond well to, you know, other people because again, the wand chooses a wizard. So that also didn't help Neville's confidence in being able to you know, wield magic and use magic and what have you. But when he was finally able 
to get his own wand. He was given an opportunity to kind of uh, step step up and and lead. He really like grew up. He really took charge, and he really, I think, shaped himself because, as I mentioned earlier, he potentially could have also been the chosen one. It could have been him that Voldemort was after. It could have been his family that was murdered the night, uh, that one night that Voldemort decided to to take action, mm-hmm. right? Now, it, it's really kind of cool to see that for Neville and his overall character arc. I thought it was kind of strange that um, in the movie they suggested that he was into Luna Lovegood and... <laughs> You know, came out of nowhere, but it was really in left field. That did not happen in the books, y'all. Spoiler, it did not happen in the books. Talking about coming out of nowhere, the kiss between Ron and Hermione kind of came out of nowhere, too. Oh, no, that that was in the books, of course, but yeah, but in the movie, it just kind of happens like out of nowhere. Yeah, so it it actually in the books, it happened in front of Harry. Um, Ron's going (laughs) on and on. (laughs) There's a war going on. He's like, we need to save the, the elves, we need to like whatever and Hermione just like loses it and she's like oh Ron and just like flings herself on him they start making out and Harry's all like really we're in the middle of a fucking war here y'all and you're gonna now anyway yeah it was I don't a little I don't bit mind more... how that happened yeah yeah I don't mind how it happened just because they took out SPEW from the yeah, movies they did so we don't know how like violently Hermione was in support of house elves being protected and saved and um yeah released from their slavery like we don't know we don't we don't know any of that in the movies so um if they had done it how it was originally in the book it would have been a little bit more confusing Um, i think being more of an adrenaline excitement thing i did like afterwards though where you know he makes that route like Oh, maybe he, he probably went to the requirement. It doesn't show up on the map. You said that last year. And she's like, yeah. Like, she just flabbergasted that he remembered. And then also that, like, you know, because it's clever. Really? It's smart. And it's just kind of a little starstruck. And then he ends Always up, the um, tone of surprise. Mm-hmm. Always yeah. the tone of surprise. And, the, and then later on in the room of requirement, you know, he chases after... Um, like after Goyle and uh Zabini, like that's my girlfriend, and it's just yeah. that's a little it's bit sweeter than yeah, um, it is the Neville yeah, with but... Luna. Like, um, I'm, I'm I, I don't even know the word that he says, it's not a I'm word mad for her, yeah, okay, yeah, he's he's mad for her, and he's like, I better you know tell her uh now before you know we'll be d- dead by dawn or whatever. And it's like that was weird, but him standing up in front of Voldemort when everyone assumes that Harry is dead, right? We see his yeah. dead body. And before that, he picks up the sorting hat. It's completely destroyed, basically. But inside is the sword of Gryffindor because as we should all know, Justin, the sword will appear. Way to call me out, but yeah, go ahead. Continue. Like I said, any opportunity I can throw someone under the bus, you know I will. Um, any worthy Gryffindor can can use or, or or the sword will appear to any worthy Gryffindor. And and at that moment, Neville was worthy because he was about to stand up in front of the most evil of wizards to to walk the face of the earth and and basically said, We're not gonna bow down to you. We're not going to follow you. You know, Harry died, yes, but but there 
you know, he still lives in us. There's still a, a, a bigger fight to, to be fought and it's not over. Pulls out the sword, you know, to show like he's taking the lead in all of this. All hell breaks loose. And eventually he's the one who decapitates Nagini as it's going to attack. I think it's Ron and Hermione. And he just comes out of nowhere, comes swinging with the sword with this this hell of a, a yell and dissolve. Nagini dissolves. And that's the last of the Horcrux that needed to be destroyed. Yeah. My guy, Neville. Man. Proud what a character development. And I'm, I'm going to be real short with it, but because Brittany, you mostly covered it, but his father's one that he had to grow up with and was forced to use was also a unicorn core. No <laughs> one never worked for him. So loyal to its first owner. Yeah. It's uh so no wonder it never worked for him. So it's just stubborn. And no wonder his like once he actually had his own wand, also unicorn core, mm-hmm. but his own. Yep. They chose him. Yep. Um he find like he blossomed and I proud. We of love him. that for him. We love that for Neville. I'm proud of our herbology professor. Yeah. And that's something else that you don't know in the epilogue is Neville. You're not will... any of their careers. I you know. It's so any of their careers. No. No, it's quite sad. Quite sad. So, yeah. Neville, my guy. Well, I, I just want to kind of like ping around and talk about like kind of favorite moments now. I like how Molly Weasley. Talk about stepping up. Fucking Bellatrix, legend. Bellatrix is, a, is attacking Jenny. <laughs> Molly Weasley says, not my daughter, you bitch. Which, uh, I caught I not, it. I did not remember that from my first watch, time watching it back in 2017. Because you didn't. I, was like, <laughs> I watched it. Anyway, what did y'all sure. think when you first saw that moment? Was that, was that also in the book, I guess? Yes. Okay. Yes, I believe it was in the book. Um, the I, book spoiled it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> funny thing about books, you know, that turn into uh, movies. Yeah, you know, movies are based on books. It's kind of an issue. Yeah, yeah a little bit. Yeah, no, I thought, although it wasn't much of a, a, a very stretched out fight scene between Bellatrix and and Molly. By the way, Helena Bottom Carter, perfect casting for Bellatrix. Perfect. You, you see that that Bellatrix is someone who obviously knows how to duel she's going to come at you with like all these curses and what have you but molly taps into something that i think has been theorized as perhaps ancient magic or some sort of unknown powerful magic that we don't commonly see because the way that she kills bellatrix it's not with the typical killing curse which you know it's a killing curse because it, it emulates green it's it was kind of like a blue whitish sort of color and it struck Bellatrix and so she kind of like like snatched up and and she got super like you know super skinny and, and then dehydrated de- dehydrate is the word that's a great word to to uh, provide a visual mummified and then she just bursts and and is kind of you know just dissolves and it's like who is Molly fucking weasley like this woman never seen it molly pruitt i think was her maiden name yes living legend and i remember in the books you know because jenny jenny's just not done well in the movies jenny's quite powerful in her own right 
And I think she obviously gets that from her mother. She gets it from her mama. And it, it's also, sorry, I had to tap into my hood side. Um, <laughs> Jesus. But the fact that Molly like displayed, again, a, a mother's love. There's there's a theme here, y'all. Mother's love, what a mother will do to protect their own, right? She already lost one child in, in this battle. She lost one of the twins. And she wasn't about to lose her only daughter. So yeah, she was going to do whatever it took to, to protect Jenny. And if it means calling her opponent a bitch, so be it. So be it. It was impressive. I loved it, <laughs> but right. I hadn't even considered it was ancient magic. I just kind of like, that's, that's a great. I only say that now after playing Hogwarts legacy and oh, seeing yeah. some of the spells that are used with the ancient magic because it's like True. oh my god that's like very similar to what molly did so it is you're no you're right you're right i um i she said i'm I right <laughs> sorry no I, I i won't go into it like a tangent about it but molly's that did like strike me seeing in the movie i was just like whoa because we've never seen something like that it was really cool um it kind of struck me like how in um i mentioned after the last airbender uh before uh in avatar the last airbender the only um the only airbender that we see because it can control elements in the first in the original series was the main character the avatar and he's a peaceful being and he would never have used his airbending in this way but like decades decades later and after his death there are some evil people who are airbenders and one of the things they do is they're able to they they're able to control all air so they took air out of people's lungs and suffocated them hmm. something you would i never even considered i just remember my jaw just dropping where can i learn this skill <laughs> well i mean and we see it in the first in the original series of avatar 2 that um Waterbenders can also blood bend because they can bend the water in the body. Oh, um, much like our friend in uh in Gen V. <laughs> yes. Um, that was my first thought. But um uh blood bending is definitely a thing. And I it just I don't know. Um that was the kind of the same feeling when I saw mm. that. I had the same like I hadn't even conceptualized that as an idea that that was possible. And it was just, it was cool. Yeah. And then obviously the line itself, it was just killer delivery. It was great. So good. So good. Great. Another one of my favorite lines from the movie is uh, you, you mentioned Jenny a little bit ago. The first time when Jenny sees Harry and runs behind Harry and he's like six <laughs> months, she hasn't seen me. And it's like, I'm, I'm Frankie first year and I'm her brother. And then Seamus says, She's got lots of them. There's only one Harry. I thought that was funny. I thought that was a He's good not wrong. Seamus yeah. comes in with some bangers of a line, especially yeah. when it, it kind of boom. Okay. Like he is, <laughs> he's a pyrotechnic throughout this whole series. And when McGonagall like tells him, Hey, I need you to do me a solid, go blow up this damn bridge. And, and Neville and is, is all like, seriously, like boom, boom. And and she tells uh, Neville like to co confer with Seamus. You know he has a, a a God. I can't say the words words to save my life. A a particular 
prolific with pyrotechnics or some shit. It was alliteration. And and Seamus responds with, I can bring it. Yeah, particular proclivity to pyrotechnics. There you go. Thank you. And Seamus responds with, I can bring it down. It's like, yes! (laughs) (laughs) He waited his whole life for this. He's like, this is my moment. In case does anyone notice, my eyebrows have grown back. (laughs) I, um... Actually, it's very, very soon after that. It's, um, I know for a fact Matt Smith has said that he really didn't, um, Neville, sorry, Neville's actor, um, said that he didn't really Matt Lewis. think, Matt Lewis, thank you, sorry. I'm thinking of wrong actors. I'm in a Doctor Who mind. Um, <laughs> I met him, <laughs> Matt Lewis. Um, he That's said cool. that he's like, I don't like this line. It's lame. It's, but I like it is when he is talking to the, like, the blown up bridge to the uh, and like to the barrier with the death eaters and he's like yeah you and whose army oh yeah <laughs> it's just, um, that's a funny line it's a little dumb but i just kind of loved it but it's i feel like it's very fitting for neville considering like he's always been like a follower and at that moment he's kind of leading this, yeah. this charge and and he's <laughs> It's like a typical grade school kind of thing. Like, yeah, you and, you know, you, your mom or, you know, you and whose army. It's like, yeah, it's, it's very, I think it's very fitting for, for Neville to, to say mm-hmm. something like that. And then once, once the Snatchers are able to get through the barrier uh, that was protecting Hogwarts and they're chasing Neville down the bridge and it goes, boom, <laughs> Neville, like you think he's lost and he pops back up and he's like, that went well. <laughs> like, yeah, sure it did. Sure. Sure. Just like he planned it. Hundred <laughs> percent. But Seamus was true. He 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 could bring it down. He brought it down. He brought that damn bridge down. I also really enjoyed whenever Harry first returned to Hogwarts, and and uh, I believe it's uh, Neville tells someone get the word out. And this kid gets on the radio, and he's like, "We have a new weather report. Lightning has lightning. struck." I repeat, right, lightning has struck. I thought that was kind of a cool, like, yep. little like code word way of saying Harry was back and. Um, yeah, and then finally, like you know, I said, like I thought that the Voldemort Harry thing was was not the best. You know, it, it could have been better in my mind, but I do think they had some great quotes. You know, Valdi hit Harry with uh, Harry Potter, the boy who lived, come to die, and then whenever Harry grabs uh, Tommy Rids and jumps, he goes, "Come on, Tom, let's finish this how we started together." together. Yeah, you had to say it right. Cool. Together, together. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah, so, no, it was it was it's funny at that moment for Harry to not refer to Voldemort as because as, he's been the only one to actually refer to Voldemort as Voldemort. Everyone, it was the Dark Lord or he who must not be named. Harry showed no fear in ever saying his name. The only time that he didn't say his name was when it was taboo. And if you said it, then you were going to be snatched by the Snatchers. Jinx. It was a jinx. And at that moment when he's facing Voldemort, you know, he's going to hit him where it hurts. It's like he's going to call him by his true born name, which is Tom, named after his muggle father. And he's like, come on, Tom, like, you know, that that one would never would never respond to you. And, and he's just he's just digging. He's just digging to irritate the mm-hmm. fire out of, of T T Rids. And, you know, it's a yeah, it, it's it's kind of fun. Um, it's kind of fun to see Harry toy with like. The most evil dark wizard to like ever walk the face of the earth. And well, I think it's also like a way for him to show like you want fear and respect, and I'm not going to give you that. 
Bingo. I'm not going to yeah. give you the satisfaction of exactly. calling you by the name that you made Chose. out of an anagram in your diary. Like, I'm not going to do that. Oh. Like, I'm. He canonically yeah. has a diary. Come on. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's like I, I also Dumbledore did that too. Mm-hmm. Like, but also talking is like he only he referred to him at like he would in public say Voldemort, but like whenever Tom speaking Riddle. directly to him, he called him Tom. Yep. And yeah. it's, it's wonderful. Good on Harry. The sass. The sass. He is a sassy uh, boy. He yeah, but he could have been so much sassier in the movies because he is so sassy in the it. books. Yeah. Fun little fact, though, because we mentioned that Harry was the unintended Horcrux that was created. You know, when we see Harry with Dumbledore at the clean and white King Cross station, we see that bit of Voldemort that had you know been destroyed or what have you. That animatronic is actually really weird um it's part of the studio tour where you can like press little buttons and like maneuver it and it'll it'll wiggle yeah, and it's, just, uh, yeah it's, it's creepy it's really creepy uh, but fun fact about about harry no longer being a horcrux it also meant that he could no longer speak parcel tongue because that was the connection between him and, and tom riddle because of the horcrux um and uh obviously he, he would not have any more connection to uh reading the dark <laughs> lord's mind because the dark lord is dead <laughs> but yeah his his ability to uh speak parcel tongue is no longer there it's also been suggested because of the fact that harry was an unintended horcrux that that was the reason the sorting hat was debating about putting harry in slytherin over gryffindor it wasn't because of harry and he himself it was he was reading whatever horcrux lived inside harry mm-hmm and um, also his scar never hurt again. It never hurt again. You're right. Unless you want to count Cursed Child, but we're not getting into that. We're not going to. That's not canon. We're not going to. We're not going to talk about it. Mm-mm. No. Well, I was going to ask you about that because of the 19 years later epilogue stuff. Mm-hmm. Do you think that that's where they could possibly go if they wanted to continue the story and maybe bring back the, the actors who played the characters? Is that is that the right move? or? It's yeah, been suggested. Yeah, it's been talked about. about. I I think Chris Columbus, who directed the first two films, has expressed interest in perhaps creating. I don't know if if they want to turn it into a series or if it was a movie of Cursed Child, but bringing back the original trio as parents because that would put them at the right age that they Mm -hmm. are now to be parents of of you know their kids who are attending Hogwarts, and I I don't. For one, I don't think the actors are interested in it. Truth be told, they said no. Yeah, they've yeah, they pretty much said. Dan for sure has said no. He he's he's really parted ways with Harry. Not because he doesn't love the films or he doesn't appreciate the ten years that he spent doing it. It's like you know we're we're grown. We've we've done. We're doing other things yeah. and what have you. But um, Emma too, I believe. I think I she think has Rup- said that she wouldn't. I think I think you're right. I think Rupert, <clears throat> if he has, is only one anything he i don't know maybe he could be swayed but i don't think you're going to get it i don't think you should get it because i don't consider the cursed child to be canon because of reasons it's also not written by the author for harry potter it's it's Mm -hmm. it was adapted as a screenplay they used elements that she said that she didn't like being used which was like the time turner stuff 
yeah it it doesn't follow it doesn't follow what happened in the stories about time turner so it's it, and it starts getting messy and you're dealing with going back in time and time travel that kind of thing and it's and it's, a big, a lot. it's a big mess there's a big mess there, so no I, to answer your question no don't do it <laughs> i have seen cursed child and i i was hearing all over the place that reading it terrible watching it it's a beautiful amazing experience i still want to see it yeah like it's a beautiful amazing experience and wonderful but it's a kind of on its own like i maybe it's because i'm so used to consuming fan fiction that to me it just kind of seems like somebody just got their fan fiction budgeted yeah. like yeah. it was totally. that's just how it felt and even totally. though jk has put her stamp of approval on it i harry is one of my favorite characters and i don't see reality where harry tells his own son sometimes i wish you weren't my child this yeah, boy it's was, yeah this boy is an orphan raised in an abusive household hadn't felt a motherly and loving embrace until he was a teenager i from molly like i can never imagine him saying that and yeah there's character things that like but on the other side i love albus and scorpius i thought they were adorable i thought they were see it was actually very funny when i saw it i was laughing out loud multiple times the production the on stage magic and effects brilliant like it was just it was really well done but mm -hmm. it's a fan fiction to me no we don't support this <laughs> no i do have albus and scorpius's wand though oh yes love it no it's like i i do like that they base that this like if they're going to do any kind of continuation it is about the slytherins the slytherin ch child of harry like the little slytherin in me was like kind of so excited to see sweet adorable little nerdy slytherins and having good slytherin role models like it was just <laughs> i kind of liked it because i just thought the kids were adorable well speaking with of wands and amber of course you're the wand ex expert we have a question in the chat about it's from raheeb asking if you had yeah if you had a real wand which one would you want and what would you do with it first am i answering first <laughs> yeah no this is totally for you yeah. Oh, I mean, Brittany, okay. Brittany can answer too. I, but, yeah. Um, mine. <laughs> I would have my own. Um, because I do know my wand stats. Um, actually, my earrings are little tiny holly wands. Oh, look at that. Um, How cute. Ha um, me and Harry have the same wand wood because we're born in the same uh Celtic year as uh, zodiac as each other. Um, because he's July thirty first and I'm July sixteenth. So we are both under the holly tree moon. And so our, um, <laughs> our woods are holly. But uh, I am um, dragon heartstring core, uh, 12 and 3 fourths inches. And the flexibility is surprisingly squishy. I can talk about that on my channel. I won't go into the meaning of all that. But um, first thing I would do with it probably expecto patronum because i need to know what my actual patronus is because i don't like that test <laughs> <laughs> oh man i don't like i okay 
I am honestly a little scared of any any bird that's like goose size or bigger. <laughs> like I can deal with like bird, smaller birds of prey and owls and things, but anything bigger than that, I turn into like a bunny rabbit and I freeze. I, I can't deal with it. My Patronus, I've taken it multiple times and most, like four times out of five, I get an osprey. That's a bird of prey, people. <laughs> like, I, I get an ocean hawk. Like, what is? I don't. I don't it's, see it. it so. It's meant to be. It's meant to be. So that's what I would do. I would have. Um, I would cast expected patronum so I can see what my actual patronus is. Uh, so I, I definitely can't go into depth about wand stuff as much as Amber can, but I do know my specs as well because I am a nerd. And I am part of the Wizarding Club, or formerly Pottermore, that, you know, did all that stuff, sort of you into your house and your wand and your Patronus and what have you. So uh, mm. according to that, my wand is Aspen Wood with a dragon heart string core. It is 12 and three quarter inches and is unbending. I we don't know what any of that same, means. We have the same core and the same length. Hey, and we're in the same house. Hey. Honestly, it makes sense why we vibe. Makes sense. Well, it, it certainly does. Um, casting the Patronus would not be the first thing that I do. I just want to throw in there that I too have a bird Patronus. It is a gosh hawk. Gosh, gosh hawk, gosh hawk. I don't know how to say that. It's a bird. It's a hawk. That's pretty freaking cool. Um, <laughs> I think the first thing I would probably do it would be something towards my enemies. I was going to say Accio because I'm lazy. That too. Accio would probably be a good one. Yeah. Not sure. Not quite sure what I do first, but probably something against my enemies. Probably silence them forever. <laughs> Justin, if you if you had a wand, what would be the first thing you would do with the wand? That is a very good question. I don't know. Maybe I would use the wand to make our podcast more successful. Ah, there we go. Atta boy. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, just uh, give us a million followers or something. That's what there I would do. Imperio, a whole bunch of people. To follow. Imperio, yes. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. What's right. um, kind of fun and going in the line of um, wands and what we do with them. My family actually over Thanksgiving week were was in the Wizarding World um, in the Holly in Hollywood in Universal Studios Hollywood, and oh. my nephew who is eight and a half, uh, he got, he did the, the wand experience and I didn't, I knew that they were there that day, but I got a call on the phone from my nephew, uh, crying his eyes out because he was not chosen for the wand choosing ceremony. So sad. And I know I was so I, like, I, I did my best. I'm like, Hey, when you're 11, man, you two and a half more years, <laughs> you and I are three and a half more years. Uh, I can do math. We are going, like, I, we're going to have a, a sorting for you. You're going to get a robe. You're going to get your wand. And, like, I because I have I have plans. And we're I've spoken to things. him about this. Yeah, I've spoken to him about this before. He was aware of it, but I, he just needed the reminding. And, but it was uh, really, really sweet as, a, as an auntie to hear my yeah. nephew be like, I just wanted to be a wizard like you. Aww. And my heart. You are a wizard. And he ended up getting a wand because I, I was like, well, your, your wood, your, 
ash is your tree, like, like ash wood is your, mm-hmm. uh, is your wand wood. And uh, the wand keepers in the shop can help you and help you. And I told, I told his mom that too. And uh, he did get an interactive wand and he actually did really well at doing the interactive spells all over the wizarding world. And Yay. Um, did a lot better than I did. Like he did it first try on some of them and it took me like 12 tries before I could get it. So I don't know. He's a wizard. He's a wizard. But he had a lot of questions for me, and um, I was you're very, a wizard very proud. nephew. <laughs> yes, um, but so it was sweet. just kind of uh, sweet because he has he always viewed Harry Potter as a something that he calls me Nem Nem. Sorry, uh, something that my Nem Nem loves. No, like oh, like that's her thing. Like mm-hmm. he's watched the first movie, but he made it very clear he was only watching it for me. Like oh. it was no interest on his part. Um, oh, just like Justin but, and, and me. <laughs> yeah, but uh, he actually seemed to really enjoy it and says that, the, you know, there's another wizard in the family. One of Isn't us. One of us. One of us. Very cool. <laughs> Love that. Very cool. Well, as we're kind of wrapping up our talk about the movie, is there anything that we didn't talk about that y'all want to touch on? I, you know, we didn't talk about the dragon. That was Dragon <laughs> at Gringotts. Um, that is, I think, a fantastic sequence with having that dragon that's that's you know pretty much used to guard the deeper vaults of Gringotts. That's how the trio are able to make the great escape from Gringotts. It's also a fantastic ride at the Wizarding World. If y'all ever do visit uh one of the parks, it's it's oh, actually, it's only at Diagon Alley. What am I talking about? So it's only in Orlando. It is amazing. You are basically going on this adventure with the trio and trying to escape uh, Voldemort, Bellatrix, Gods. and uh, yeah, that 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 ride is is really cool. You do you do feel the heat from the dragon, y'all. So um, I think that was a really cool sequence with. Uh, even with Hermione having to use Polyjuice Potion to turn into Bellatrix. And and what I love about that is that how the actors dealt with it, it was, you know, Helena Bottom Carter, who plays Bellatrix, um, had to pretend to be Hermione Granger, who's played by Emma Watson, who had to pretend to be Helena Bottom Carter, or played Bellatrix. You know, see what I'm saying? It's like they had to kind of watch each other and learn the mannerisms of each other in order to portray it, but as their character. It's it's really funny um, with uh, with all that and Griphook who you know tried to double cross them he ends up getting killed serves you right um, <laughs> just saying but uh, I'm trying to think what else happens uh, I think also the big reveal of Aberforth Dumbledore you know mm-hmm. you, there's so much that we didn't know about Dumbledore throughout the series and then when you learn that he had this brother you also learn that they had a sister who died very young that was kind of planting the seed for what we would eventually get with like Fantastic Beasts um <laughs> Secrets of Dumbledore and ultimately that went nowhere so that being said um the the background of Dumbledore is very interesting still don't like the guy but yeah there's there's some things in this movie that I really did enjoy I was very much looking forward to of course when I first watched it you know some 12 years ago and I can't believe it's 
12, 12 years old at this point. It's wild, <laughs> wild to me. Absolutely mm -hmm. wild. Yeah. Amber, yeah. any, any last, uh, last thoughts? Um, I, I just liked it because I, I mean, Hey, I love this one because this one is the more, most wand centric and shows highlight high, really highlights the importance of wands and why it's so important. And I loved how I like, there's so much of it that I loved in this movie and I can kind of just, you know, like, what does that mean? Like with the crazy conspiracy theory, like pointing at the board, like that, that's just me. Every time I'm showing the talking about somebody. Um, and also it kind of has a special place for me. Cause yeah, I was like 12 years ago, but my, um, my sisters, they didn't want to watch Harry Potter. And then one of their friends was like, Hey, I want to watch all, I want to marathon the movies before we go see it in theaters. And then my sisters were like, actually, yeah, we want to watch it all. And so I, we had like a little party thing with my um, sister's friends and at my sister's houses at the time because they lived together at the time. And I got to share the Wizarding World with my sisters. For, and I've been involved with Harry Potter since I was seven years old. So for wow. me to be like to finally get the chance to talk about, to share it with them. And it's all only because we were marathoning them so that we could go and see this movie. And we did, we all saw it together in theaters and it was just, and again, it was around my birthday. Um, mm -hmm. So it was just, it was euphoric. I, I really, really. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I loved it. And I'm really glad that we were able to do uh, this pod covering it. And I mean, yay. Have we decided if we're doing Fantastic Beast? That's a great question. Yeah, we've, we've kind of toyed with it. it. Uh, yeah. But no, I, um, and just kind of wrapping up the, the, the talk about the movie. Um, yeah, I, I've enjoyed doing this pod. I know Harry Potter means a lot to both Amber and Brittany. You can definitely tell by just listening and hearing what they have to say. Um, but no, I've really gained a lot of appreciation for the movies. I, I Overall, I enjoy them. And um, we're not done talking about Harry Potter. So while we're, we're wrapping up this pod here in a little bit, but we will come back next month. We're going to rank all eight movies. And yes, might we down the road, you know, do some fantastic beasts? We probably will. So, uh, so stick with us. We appreciate it. But yeah, I've enjoyed the, uh, the, the run through the wizarding world in these movies. Yay. And, uh, before we finish our next stop on the Hogwarts express is a movie that a documentary that just dropped on HBO max or I'm sorry, I see HBO max on max. Sorry. It's they've, they've HBO, changed their branding. Fine. Yeah. On max. The documentary is called David Holmes, The Boy Who Lived. It, it's a coming-of-age documentary that chronicles the the stunt double, David Holmes, who he was a stunt double for Dan Daniel Radcliffe in the Harry Potter movies. And he endures a um, a life-changing accident. And uh, I want to get y'all's thoughts on the, the doc, which we all just watched in like the last 24 hours. Uh, Amber, what did you think about the documentary? beautifully moving um it was uh i knew i knew bits and pieces i just didn't know a lot of the details like i didn't know specifically what scene it was that caused the accident i didn't know how much how deeply i guess he was involved like i knew that because um 
Dan Rad does and did and still continues to do uh, a lot of um, work to try and like, I guess, bring attention and awareness about this uh, to people. And I knew about that, but I didn't realize just how close they were. Yeah. And it was moving. It was so, um, it was inspiring really just seeing somebody go through that and that at the very, very last like little title card before the, during the credits was that he's, um, there's going to be opening a school for, wants to open a school for, uh, to train pe um, stunt people to do, kids to do stunts. And I just think that's wonderful. And mm -hmm. having just a, such a strong, like will and motivation to go on and be such a genuine, honest person. And it makes, that seems to make everyone around him grow to be better. I thought it was very, very moving. It was very well done. Yeah, to, to piggyback off what Amber said, I, I was, it was, it's a very moving documentary. It's, it's, I like how they position it where, yes, they're sharing something that was incredibly tragic for, for this young man who basically was in his prime. I mean, he, he said that in, in Potter, you know, he, he did all, all the movies except the last one, really. And he, living his best life right he was a young man he was making a lot of money and he was doing something that he loved he was constantly pushing the envelope and constantly putting his body at risk and and then one day it 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 happened right the risk um the risk hap happened and i i was really impressed with his outlook of life because i feel like if something like that were to happen to me or to a loved one of mine, I probably would have reacted very similar to that of his mother or the stunt coordinator who really just feels like he's to blame for the accident and, and for this, this man's life. And I completely understood why it was difficult for him to see David and to, you know, be around him and what have you. I, I totally get it. It did get difficult to watch at different points. Um, just, because of personal things that have happened. But I, again, I was really impressed with how David looked at life. And he's like, listen, suing the studios or suing someone, it wasn't going to change my prognosis. It wasn't going to make me be whole again. You know, I have to be around positivity and constantly just kind of moving forward. I have to, you know, keep going forward or else. Now, yeah, he faces daily challenges, but he is surrounded by such good people. I mean, he's got that one best friend who's, who's his caretaker or caregiver. Um, his two other friends that were on Potter as well, who one had to step in and be Dan's stunt double and how difficult it was for him to, to kind of take on that mantle, right? It's a really moving documentary. I love that Dan Rad was also involved. He was an, an executive producer for the documentary. He's also a, a genuine friend to David because he likened David to having a, the brother that he never had, right? Dan Rad's an only child. And it the bond that these men continue to have years after Potter is, is very heartwarming. There's... Um, there's so much good that can be seen through David's eyes and 
it's I I just know I would have felt different had that happened to me. But seeing his perspective and understanding his perspective is just like, okay, like you can't argue with that. You can't, you don't pity him. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it's a really moving piece. And it's something I think that everyone should take the opportunity to watch. It's, it tells a great story. And I, uh, I think it was appropriately titled David Holmes, the boy who lived. I was like, that's brilliant. That's so brilliant to, to name the documentary as such. Yeah, it's, it's a very well done documentary. And you know, what happened to David Holmes, um, you know, he was paralyzed in a tragic accident. And I mean, anybody who's paralyzed, that's, that's devastating. But to him, it was especially cruel given how active and how athletic and how he was constantly doing these things that not many people in the world can do, or even want to try to do. And so to see him go from being like, I mean, and he could do almost anything. And then now he can do almost nothing, you know, like that's, that is, uh, it's tough to watch, but he does have a very unique perspective on life and an understanding, Mm -hmm. like almost like an instant understanding of his situation. I don't think very many people would have. And I, um, yeah, it is, uh, it's, it's sad a lot of the time, but it's also, you know, there's a lot of heartwarming moments. And like you said, the friendship with the other stunt doubles and with Daniel Radcliffe and, um, you know, it's a story. I did not know the story. I totally didn't know anything about this. And I feel like yeah. uh, even if you're not a Harry Potter fan, which I, I, I mean, I, I like the movies now, but I wouldn't consider myself in the same level as, as Brittany or Amber by any stretch, but I would highly recommend this documentary. Um, much yeah. like the reunion documentary from a couple of years ago, which yeah. before that I'd only watched the movies one time. And like, I thought that reunion was great. This is a uh, mm-hmm. obviously yeah, much I different story. <laughs> yeah. This oh, is a yeah. much different story, but uh, very well done. And like we said, it dropped on max November 15th. So check that out. It's about an hour and a half. It's worth your time. It, uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. It's um, David seems like such a wonderful person, such a genuine person, even when he's talking to, because I imagine this doc got put on hold because of COVID. They, they were filming in 2019 and then COVID happened. They had stopped production and what have you. So when we see him at a different point, he's in the hospital being evaluated, having to wear a mask. And he's asking the nurse, you know, did you lose anyone, you know, anyone that you loved? And, and she says, yes, my best friend. And, and he's just like, I'm so sorry. Like he's saying sorry to someone else who's, you know, lost someone when he's, it's just mind blowing because he's in a state of, of, of partial paralysis, uh, uh, paralyzation and, and he's being giving and thoughtful towards someone else who's lost someone dear to them. And, and he says, you know, do you, have you gone on holiday? He goes, do you want to come, come and stay with me? I have a really nice house. Like, and we can do all this. We could, you know, he, he just, I, he's the kind of person that would give the shirt off his back to you if you you know absolutely needed it and asked for it like he he is that kind of person and it just it warms my heart um i think he's he's such a wonderful person give it a watch y'all do yourself a favor give it a watch it, you're not going to regret it and talking to the kids too at the <gasps> so sweet gymna- uh, at the gymnastics school yeah. like that was just you like you can kind of see that a lot of those kids hadn't even considered that, oh, what I'm doing right now, I could go into that kind of career. 
and then yeah. also like it's inspiring the life he has created and mm -hmm. even though he's had faced great tragedy and great loss like it's just he's continues to be so warm yeah that and has all, always has been too yeah. that's that's another thing it's just he just seems so genuine and warm and I would trust that man with my life at this moment. Like I just, yeah. he, it's a, he's a, he seems like a wonderful person. I really recommend this documentary. Oh yeah. He's surrounded by good people and he in turn stays a good person. You know, if, if it's him that's making these people stay good people or vice versa, it doesn't matter. He's, he's surrounded by good energy and, um, you know, he, he knows, he knows the outcome. He knows what could happen one day. And he still continues to live. He's, he's, he's got a really, um, he's got a really beautiful outlook of, of his life. Yeah. Yeah. And like Amber said, he not only does he have his own like school for, for stunt people, but he also has a podcast. So, uh, he does. Yeah. He's, he's making the most of his time and doing what he can. So, uh, yeah, definitely mm -hmm. check it out. We all recommend it. So, um, that about does it. Although there's a couple of quick questions we can, let's do lightning round questions here. Okay. Uh, theme park. What would you rather, uh, Universal Studios or Disney World? Uh, so, Amber first, or Brittany, you go first. Um, I've been to Disney World once. I loved it. Yep. Um, but I've been to Universal more often. I feel that's a little bit more geared for adults. So I'm going to go with Universal. Okay. Amber? Um, I've been going to, I've only been to Disney World once um, when I was like a teenager. But I've been going to Disneyland so many times in my life. Most, um, I, I genuinely can't even count how many times I've been. And my family, when they went to um, Universal last week, they also were in Disney, Disney Park, and Disneyland too. So, uh, and I've only been to Universal Hollywood. I haven't been to Universal Florida. So I've only, I haven't seen Diagon Alley. I've only seen Hogsmeade. But um, I can't, I, I wouldn't be able to pick just because I know Disneyland so well. Like I can walk around that place blindfolded because I know the map so well. I just point me, tell me where you want me to go and I can lead you there. I know the quickest routes, the sideways. I know everything. And I, and I, I love the foods that are there, the unique foods too. Um, in just the general, I guess, um, ambiance and aesthetic really, um, is nostalgic for me. So I have a lot of like warm, loving feelings about that, but I do love Universal because I love rides and I like their rides, um, cause they are a bit more adult and I love, um, obviously I love Harry Potter. So if... My dream, my, my ideal situation is going to both in one trip. Whew. But that's a costly trip. <laughs> but exactly. Yeah. It's uh yeah. Justin, you so I've been Universal to Disney World. Disney? I've been to Disney World three times. I've been to Universal twice, but I've been to neither in like 20 years. So it's been a long time. So I would watch your road trip. Point, maybe. <laughs> I, I'll tell you what, if I had to choose, I would choose Universal for one reason, one reason only. They have Fast, Fast and Furious Park. rides. No, Fast oh. and Furious. 
And I'm a part of the Fast family. We all know this by now. If you watch or listen to the Watchers, you know I'm part of the Fast family. So I got I to gotta check that out at some point in my life. What's but, Fast uh, and Furious? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Amber, like, Ow. I'm joking. Amber. No. She went for the jugular on that one. Trying to hurt, trying to hurt What's that? Uh, <laughs> That's fantastic. So the final question was, uh, have we watched uh, Monarch Legacy of Monsters? It's on Apple Plus. I have watched it. Y'all have not. Um, I don't have Apple Plus, so okay. neither do I. So okay. no, I've watched. And it. also, I... I don't care for Godzilla, so I don't care. Yeah, fair. It's three I episodes. I will love Godzilla, so I'm surprised hmm. I haven't. But it looks good. Um, it's. I think it's kind of interesting. Uh, I'm three episodes in. It's only. I think the fourth episode comes out on Friday. I'm not sure I can recommend it just yet, but. Uh, I will let you know later on in another podcast. So anyway, <laughs> there we go. Um, so as we're getting out of here, we, we've heard Amber talk a lot about wands, but she does. She talks a lot about wands on her own channel. And Amber, why don't you tell us how people can find that channel? Thank you. Um, you can find my channel on the channel itself is on YouTube at all of Amber's dot wands. That's um, O-L-L-I-V-A-M-B-E-R-S dot wands. And you can find me on YouTube. I'm also at the same name on uh, TikTok, Instagram. And you can definitely shoot me a message on either of those because I'm always on there and I would love to talk to you about anything and everything. So um, if you have any other questions about any other fandom, it doesn't have to be Harry Potter, doesn't have to be Wands, but I can answer those questions too. And <laughs> I also do have a Tumblr too, but um, I am not as active as I should be on it. But I... Um, but you can find me there, and it's just a study of wands and wand lore in the wizarding world. It's a fantastic, cool. wonderful channel. Oh, shucks. <laughs> Very cool. We appreciate it. We appreciate having you on our podcast, especially for the Harry Potter episodes. Yay! And now that we've finished re uh, reviewing the Harry Potter movies, you know what we think about the films. We want to know what you think. And Brittany, what's the best way for people to let us know what they think about Harry Potter? I mean, the best way is very much what Rahib, Yesenia, Michael V, uh, Christian of McDorks, um, you know, uh, all of our friends here that join us in the live chat. We encourage everyone to join us on the live chat. And the way to do so is you got to first subscribe to our YouTube channel. We're on the road to 300 by the end of 2023, y'all. We're currently at 291. Nine more people. We need nine more it would have been appropriate if it was seven because it's seven Horcruxes. Oh, that would have been perfect. Oh, anyway, you're right, you're right. doesn't matter. It's fine. We very much appreciate all of our subscribers from day one to today. So join the Watchers family by subscribing to our YouTube channel. Don't forget to like this video. It helps us out a whole lot. And also to find out the next time we'll be live streaming, you got to hit that notification button. That way you get the alert when we're going live because we do have some things coming up shortly uh justin mentioned that we're going to come back to rank the harry potter movies and talk about other things that we would have liked to have seen maybe not have seen but you got to join us to find out for sure right yeah. we also have some very exciting drafts coming up as well <laughs> uh by drafts i mean mcu yep there's your little spoiler right there but we also want everyone to follow us on facebook twitter and Instagram, as well as threads. Yes, we're on threads, but I'm not that great about posting on threads. It's still new, y'all, but we're there. We have a presence. Follow us on all those platforms. We appreciate it. You can also use hashtag 
Watchers Basement. That is our handle for our social media. Forgot to mention that. So help grow our audience. Tweet at us. Uh, send us memes. Send us articles. Send us things that you want us to check out. And lastly, if you're not into video podcasts, we've got you covered with audio podcasts available to you on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. So be sure to give us a five-star rating after you subscribed. Thank you, Brittany. I appreciate it. So for Brittany and for Amber, I'm Justin saying thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We will see you next time. Have a good rest of your day. Goodbye. Harry Potter. Always. Anything. Until then.